You're listening to a leadership message from Pastor Jurgen Matesius here at Awaken Church. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. I, I, I thought that I would just maybe um, share a few thoughts with you from Hero. And so here are some, uh, some kind of kingdom truths that are going to come out of Hero. So some kingdom truths in Hero, the, the musical production that you're going to be experiencing. I think we've got less than 500 seats left here. We have three sold-out shows, completely sold out for here. Uh, but still don't let that stop you. Still, Because there's always people that, for whatever reason, the tire came off on the freeway or something. or uh, You know, don't show up. So, so uh, still get people here for tomorrow. And then, uh, and then San Marcos, uh, I think there was like 1,500 a few days ago, tickets available. But, you know, it's Easter weekend. Let's, I, I, I would love that it, every show is standing room only. And I'm telling you, after what I saw last night... The, the, how hard everybody has worked, it, it, it would be almost sacrilege not to have standing room only in every single service. It is so potent. It is so powerful. It is so amazing. Amen. All right. Well, here we go. I'm going to give you seven. There was a pause there for laughter. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to give you seven, seven things that... that uh, Seven kingdom truths that are coming out of Hero. I can't even remember the title that I sent to the guy. Seven kingdom truths. The first one is this, what I call kingdom inconvenience. Kingdom inconvenience. In, in Mark chapter 4, 35 to, I think it goes to 39, but 41. It says that Jesus says, uh, when evening had come, Jesus said to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. And the disciples got in the boat. They took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were with him. And as they went out, I think it's verse 37 says, and a great windstorm arose and began to beat in the boat. So the waves were, were f- filling the boat that they began to sink. So you're going to see in Hero, there's, a, there's a, a scene, incredibly powerful scene, the way they've done it, where Jesus is going across the, the, the lake. He's going across the Sea of Galilee to the region of the, the Gadarenes to release and deliver a man who's been cutting himself crying out night and day for deliverance. And so I, I, I'm always perplexed, and God has not given me an answer, but there's, there's kind of two options. Morgan, number one, uh, did Jesus know that the storm was, was coming? Did he know that that was on the weather report? Did he know that was on the radar? Did he know the storm? And he says, you know what, it doesn't matter. We, we, don't, we don't only wait for smooth sailing. We don't wait for favorable conditions. You know, is it because if you're waiting for all the planets to line up and all the ducks to be in a row before you do anything, you'll never get anything done. I found in our life that not once, not once has God asked us to do something that was convenient on our calendar, convenient on our agenda. Never. When I, when I went to Bible college, there were two. And the one that was easy was the one that he chose not to send me to. He sends me to the one that's three hours drive away where I know nobody, where the, the tuition is double, this one. And this one, if I went to the one that was local, they, they had already guaranteed me a youth pastor job when I graduate. And then this one, there's no youth pastor. And so when I called, I said, hey, do you, these guys are offering me. They're like, no, we don't. And I, I ain't going there. 
And uh, then goes, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm, you know, this is the safe route. And he's like, I didn't ask you to go the safe route. You're going to that one. Thank God I went to that one, Power Ministry School back then, Hillsong College, because it opened up a world I would have never been exposed to if I would have taken the easy way. So you're going to find that quite often, quite often, God's call never comes at a convenient time. You know, if you're an intern and you're saying, holy, what was I thinking when I signed up? Because my God, like, you know, I should have waited. I didn't realize 2020, now 2021. But, but you, you will rarely find that the call of God comes when it's all convenient for you and all convenient with you. In fact, you'll find it's the exact antithesis. So the first thought is, is did Jesus know and sail out anyway? Or, or here's the other one, did Jesus launch out and then there's opposition? The Bible says, be sober, be vigilant in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be, be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. The word adversary there means one who actively opposes. One who active, did, did Jesus just launch out and the devil's like, no, you ain't setting this guy free. I've got him. We've got an entire legion. And did, did the devil bring the storm? Did the devil try and take down the boat? Did the devil try to sink the boat? And it's easy that Jesus is asleep. The devil is bringing a storm that has got fishermen perplexed. He's got fishermen panicking. He's got men of the sea in absolute disarray crying out in fear while Jesus is asleep because the, the, the devil's greatest day doesn't even bring Jesus to break a sweat. And, uh, but there are going to be times where you will launch out, you will step out, and it's like all hell just broke loose. You're going to step out being obedient. You're going to step out, and all of a sudden the storm, the wind and the waves, adversity comes against you. The boat is singing, sinking. But can I just tell you, it's adversity that produces strength. You know, if, if I go to the, the gym and, you know, beautiful pastor Samuel lends me, you know, he's, he's like spandex shorts and, and uh, <laughs> a naughty joke. I was trying to think of something naughty because he just said preach. And I thought, Samuel's here. I love when Samuel's here. But, but if, I, if I go to the gym and I'm, you know, wearing my, my shorts and I'm just <laughs> doing stuff, you know, and there's, and there's no weights on it. You know, I, I could be looking at, there's going to be no guns. You ain't getting guns from, there's no. There's got to be adversity. There's got to be resistance. The only way you're going to build strength is in resistance. What's interesting in that story is, is the story was so powerful that it got disciples, the disciples to ask a question. And the question doesn't seem to get answered till several chapters later. The, the question they asked is, who is this? Who is this that he commands even the wind and the waves and they obey him? Several chapters later, Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And they say, oh, oh some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He's like, okay, who, who do you say that I am? And Pete's like, oh, I know who you are. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. And he's like, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. Flesh and blood. Simon got, 
You can only arrive at an answer when you first ask a question. It's the question that drives us, Neo, from the Matrix. I, I honestly believe that, that, that when Leanne and I look at our, at our trajectory and we look at our history, there have been many, many times where it didn't make sense on the calendar. It didn't make sense in the rhythm of our life, in the season of our life, for the call to come. It's like, God, couldn't you have waited till the summer? Couldn't you have waited till the spring? God, couldn't you have sent us here then? Like it would have been... E but there's something in the diversity. Can I just tell you, if you're walking through adversity, count it as a gift. James wrote, count it pure joy when you face all kinds of trials and... Because it's in the adversity, it's in the storm. You will see a revelation. You will see a picture. You will see a revealing of the persona of God that you will not see in smooth sailing, that you will not see on a sunny day, that you will not see when everything is going well. God intentionally sometimes will give you the call knowing there's a storm on the horizon because He's greater than the storm. His Word is more powerful than any adversity that is coming against you. And God, believe it or not, wants to reveal himself to you. I would not know that God is Jehovah Rapheka, the Lord that heals, except I've seen situations or experience in my own life moments where if, if this Bible, if this God isn't real, but in the midst of a storm of, of cancer diagnoses or the power of God comes through. When, when, when they're saying, hey, you need to abort your daughter because she's got you know, 16 things wrong with her and we believe that she's going to be born severely mentally handicapped and there's defamations in her heart and, and, all, and, all, and you've got to run in that storm to God knowing that the word, the same word that said peace be still is the same word that says everything is going to be okay. I would not, but I see God clearest in the storm. We think we see God clearest on the mountaintop when the clouds are parted. No, you see God the most clear, the most clear in the storm. Somebody say amen. All right. All right. Number two. Numero two. How are we going on time? All right. Got to move a little quicker. All right. Number two. Perfect church, imperfect people. <clears throat> perfect church, imperfect people. Right now, there's a... There's a, there's a uh, it's very, very grieving, very, very grieving. There's a, there's a spirit in this world, and we've, we've seen it with the, with the woke people. So, you know, they say that uh, America has a woke, a white supremacy issue, but we don't, we have a woke supremacy issue. And so wokeness has come into the church. And basically what wokeness does is it throws the church under the bus continually. We see it continually. You know, we've got to do better, church. We've got to do better. Like, you know, there's a guy who makes satanic Nikes, sells 666 pairs of them with a drop of human blood on each one, and they sell, they sell out in under a minute. It's got, you know, Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the earth. And, and... He brings that and then he says, oh, great, if I've upset you, if I've put you in rage, that's how I felt when I realized I was gay in church. And so all these, all these Christians, all these woke pastors get online and they start you know, throwing the church under the bus. Let, let me just explain what that's like. Let me just explain. So let me tell you, the church, well, people say, you know, the church hasn't always got it right. You know, the church, no, 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 no,
The church is perfect. People in the church, imperfect. When Jesus said, I will build my church, you better believe. So this is, this is what these pastors do. They say, hey, world, oh, yeah, 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 you're in sin and in rebellion, and you're making satanic shoes. Hey, watch this. I'm on your team. Watch this. Hey, 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 um, fiance of Jesus. Hey, Jesus' bride. This is Jesus' bride. <laughs> you like me now? Yeah, the church hasn't always got it right. <laughs> You must be so impressed with me, Jesus. See what I'm doing here? Like I'm beating your bride and, and I'm impressing them. Yeah, she hasn't always got it right. Pfft, stupid. Like, really? Number one, they ain't going to respect her. And number two, do you really think Jesus is going to be like, yeah, you know what? I'll just take the lamp from you and I'll find a church that I'll find. I'll give that lamp to someone who will honor my bride, honor my church. The church is perfect. People in the church are imperfect. Whenever you say, well, you know, the church, like, you know, the Catholic church. The, yeah, yeah, the church is perfect. Men in the church did vile things and deserve and need to be prosecuted. But don't go around blaming the bride. Don't go around blaming the church. It's not the church. It's people within the church that let it down. In the, in the 1300s, when the Black Plague devastated Europe, the church's response was what they call uh, the, the flagellants. And it can sound like flatulence, but it's not. <laughs> the flagellants were, were was, it was part of the, the, it came out of the Roman Catholics and then out of the Jesuits and then it kind of spread. And what they would do is they would go into town and they would have whips and they would whip themselves thinking that, you know, the plagues were the judgment of God on the sinfulness. And so they would whip themselves and cut themselves and bleed, thinking that they were atoning for the iniquity. And then over the centuries, even after the Black Plague was gone, there was still, it became a sect, it became a, it became a, a religious practice in extreme cases where people would go and they would beat themselves. Can I just tell you that the, the, the gospel is that Jesus said it is finished. Everything that needed to be done was done. He shed his blood so our blood doesn't need to be shed. He was beaten for our transgressions. And he didn't take a, a, a blow to, to less. That, well, he almost... No, no, he was bruised for our iniquities. He was wounded for our transgressions. He, everything was dealt with with Christ. But there, there seems to be this, this revelry. And, and when I watch a lot of these woke pastors... It's amazing how they think that they're winning the world by, by throwing the bride under the bus, by beating the church, by beating the, well, we haven't always got it right, and it's the church's fault. So, so we don't apologize for the church. We may need to apologize for idiots' behavior within the church, but we don't apologize for the church. We love the church. So we, we live in a time right now where the church, for whatever reason, has lost... It's, it's passions that, hey, forget what Jesus did on the cross. It's, it's the patriarchy. That's the, it's misogyny. It's the white person. It's the white Christian. It's, the, it's a, in, in the critical race theory, there's, the critical race theory presents that all of history is between the oppressing class and the oppressor.
at the oppressed. It's the oppressor versus the oppressed. And, and the oppressed need to rise up. And you're oppressed. Oh, I didn't even know I was oppressed. You're oppressed by the oppressed. What? And, and, and what it is, it, it, it stirs up that you need to become Cain. You need to take justice into your own hand. And you need to strike Abel, you know, who, who, who is the second born. The firstborn is meant to be the one with favor. The firstborn is meant to be the one that has the double portion. And yet here is Abel somehow getting the blessing of God. He's stolen that from me. I'm the, I'm the oppressed and he's the oppressor. Therefore, I will smite him and kill him. And we're watching buildings burn. We're watching police being shot as they're sitting in their car. Innocent people, people run over or people attack just for the color of their skin. Dr. Martin Luther King says that he had a dream that his children would grow up in a nation, would grow up in a land where people are not judged for the color of their skin, but rather by the content of their character. Someone was saying, you know, the other day, and I was, you know, again, I was watching on, on Instagram, there were floods in Australia, and, oh, the church needs to, the church needs to. If we did nothing else, if we did nothing else, if, if Mike Yeager at Eastlake, did nothing else but open this book and teach for 30 minutes. And at the end of 30 minutes, close this book and walk away. He has fulfilled. He has fulfilled. You can't find that at Rotary. You can't find that at any feed the hungry. You, the, Jesus says the gospel is preached to the poor. The transformation of society is in this book. The, the highest honor, the greatest duty, the greatest responsibility is the preaching of the gospel. How dare we back up from the gospel and think that somehow handing out blankets or... Now, absolutely, the Bible says that we ought to love and we ought to care, but we don't replace the preaching of the gospel. The, the preaching of the, Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He didn't say go into all the world and, hey, just add to the government a social justice. Government's not always going to get it right. And maybe you guys can fill in the blanks and, and you guys can, you know, hand out blankets or, you know, cheeseburgers to people who are on the street. Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel because you can feed them all the way to hell. You can clothe them all the way to hell. You can blanket them all the way to hell. We're the ones with, with the eternal gospel that brings life transformation. Somebody say amen. All right. Number, number three. The greatest story ever told is not the greatest story being told. In Colossians chapter 2, this one's worth looking at. Colossians chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. If you got it there in your Bibles. Having wiped out the handwriting, this is Jesus, what he did on the cross. Having wiped out the handwriting of requir requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. So the, the Ten Commandments, if I line up my life next to them, I'm disqualified. I miss out on God's blessings. I miss out on heaven. But Jesus wiped out the handwriting that was against us. It was contrary to us. He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. And then have a look at the next verse. It says, um, and having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. And what in it means, triumphing over them through the cross. Through the cross. So the greatest story is what we tell in, in Hero. 
the greater story. So don't lose sight. And that's what we had to do because, you know, with all the theatrics and with all the music and with all the special effects and with all the sound and with all the songs and the singing and the acting and the drama, you know, we had to make sure, hey, let's make sure that front and center is this story. We've got to make sure that the greatest story ever told is the greatest story being told. You go to Vegas and they spend millions on productions and stories car. And you walk out and you're like, that was entertaining, but what the hell was that about? Like you've got no idea what it's about. They, 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 they have nothing to say, but boy, do they, do they do a great job saying it. And then we, the church, we've got the greater story. And then we do, you know, productions like hands. Hands to hold. Hands to reject. Hands. Hands to help. Hands to hurt. Hands. The greatest story ever told needs to be the greatest story being told. The great, we do it with the spirit of excellence. We don't back up. The, the greatest thing, the greatest story is that all my shame, all my sin, all my transgression, all my iniquity, all my disqualifications was carried by Him. For God so loved the world, me, that He left heaven, came down clothed in human flesh, was beaten. I was watching a documentary on the Shroud of Turin. That Now, they, they've from the Shroud of Turin, because of technology, they've actually been able to create... A, uh, a a life uh, sorry a life a lifelike replica of what Jesus looked like. He was like five eleven. It's just amazing. And from that, they said there was over six hundred and seventy lashes that Jesus got. When you hear these idiots say, you know, the, you know, he would have got you know forty minus one thirty nine. The Jews didn't whip him. It was the Romans who didn't stop. And you just see, you see in these images, I mean, his body was just mangulated. And he did all of that. He went through all of that to redeem me. We've got to make sure the greatest story ever told is the greatest story being told. Somebody say amen. All right, moving number quickly, number three of seven. Number three of, all right, number four, right? Number four. Yes, come on. Number four. The devil has been defeated, but goes uncontested. He's defeated, but often goes uncontested. Our job is to enforce the cross. The devil, 2,000 years ago, Jesus rose from the dead. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, Jesus says, Behold, I have the keys of death and I have the keys of hell. Jesus rose from the dead, crushing the devil's head, disarming principalities and powers. And he says, Go into all the world because all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go unafraid. Therefore, go unashamed. Therefore, go boldly. Therefore, go unrestricted. Therefore, go unmitigated. Therefore, just go. Go because we're more than conquerors. The problem is we don't go. We want to build it and hope that they come. But Jesus didn't say that. He said, Go. Go to New Zealand. Go to 
Sydney, go to Oxford Falls, go to San Diego, go into San Marcos, go into Bracey Ranch, go into Salt Lake City, go into Chula Vista Eastlake, go into Balboa, go into Escondido, go into... He says, go into all the world. We've got to go. And, and you know what? We know that we can go because every principality and power has been defeated. Jesus defeated the devil. The devil is defeated. Have a look at this, Luke 10, 19. Luke 10, 19, Jesus says, Behold, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. Now, how many of you know that when Jesus says all the power, it means all the power? It doesn't mean most of the power. It doesn't mean some of the power. Over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So come on, what, what are we waiting for? Well, hang on, hang on. Yeah, he said that pre-COVID. He didn't realize that COVID would come. So we're going to keep church locked down. You know, we're going to be... Nothing will by any means hurt you. Nothing will harm you. Somebody said to me when we were open, they're like, oh, but what if people in your church get COVID? I said, well, the same God who heals cancer can heal COVID. I said, we'll just... We'll just have altar calls and we'll pray for people and we'll rebuke the COVID and we'll say, get off. They're like, get out of their systems. We ain't afraid. The church has never been, all of a sudden, we, we, we got a, a church that's afraid of sick. Jesus is go and preach and heal the sick that are there. Cleanse the lepers, raise it. We have authority over all the power of the enemy. We have authority over sickness and disease. We have authority in that realm. Why are we stopping church and, and, and somehow these people, they think they please Jesus. Oh, Jesus, we know that you, you know, heal, but this is like this sickness is greater than your power. There's no sickness greater than his power. There's no disease greater than his power. The devil's been defeated. One of my favorite stories was Smith Wigglesworth, who, you know, did extraordinary miracles. But one night he wakes up and Satan is standing at the end of his bed. And he looks at Satan, who's standing at the end of his bed, and just goes, oh, it's only you. Rolls over and keeps sleeping. It's awesome. It's awesome. I remember when I was in, uh, when I was in Bible, Bible college. As, as you, the Bible says, he who breaks through a wall... Is, will be bitten by a serpent. He who breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. So I found that every breakthrough in my life comes where there's a serpent, where there's a devil, there's a demonic spirit. You know, you've all heard the saying, new, new levels, new devils. That's, that's real. And, and, but here's the thing. Jesus gives you authority over all the power of the enemy. Well, yeah, but it says, you know, if you break through a wall, you get bitten by a serpent. So better off not breaking through, just living in mediocrity. No, break through and do what the apostle Paul did when he was bitten by a serpent. He just shook it off into the fire. Shake it off into the fire. You have authority over all the power of the enemy. So I'm in Bible college and, and uh, th this one night I wake up and true story, there's a demon standing at the end of my bed. And it's, it's standing at the end of my bed like this. And... And I remember the story of Smith Wigglesworth. I'm like, this is awesome. So I just said, oh, it's only you. And rolled over and kept sleeping because I was tired. And I thought, man, this is awesome. But I'm not sure what happened with Smith Wigglesworth. But the next minute I wake up and it's, and it's now moved from the end of my bed and it's over me and it's over the top of me and it's saying, 
masturbation, masturbation, <laughs> masturbation. Ma you know, try, you filthy little, get out of here. But it's amazing how these, but it was just a demon, just a spirit, just needs rebuking. The Bible says in, in the book of Judges chapter 3 that God left, God left some of the enemies of Israel in the land. He didn't drive them all out so that the generation that was coming up after them might be taught to know warfare because the generation before them fought the battles to take down Jericho, to take down Ai, so that this next generation could enter into the promised land and divvy it up. But that generation didn't have to fight. That generation didn't know warfare. And God is saying, hey, the way that you get something is how you keep something. The way that you take the land, the warfare required to take a territory is the warfare required to keep that territory. So God intentionally left some of the demons. He intentionally left some of the enemies in the land so that the generation comes coming up after them would be taught to know warfare. You need to understand there is no such thing as a Christianity without spiritual warfare. There, what I love about 5.30 a.m. men's prayer, and I just got to honor Dr. Matt Hubbard and then all of our great, great uh, pastors who lead men's prayer. Because what I watch, what I witness is men breaking into groups, recognizing that they don't need to go to the miracle pastor for a miracle, that God himself will give them a word, that God himself has, will, will train and equip them on how to exercise their authority to bring freedom to their marriage, to bring freedom to their children, to bring freedom to their finances, to bring freedom to their family, to bring freedom to their circumstances, that God will lift the shame of their life, the guilt of their life, break the transgression of their life, that, that men are learning their authority. I love that we have women's prayer where women are learning to have authority. I don't want to build a church where people come on a Sunday and even though it may stroke my ego that they come on a Sunday to hear a wonderful sermon out and they, ooh, ah, wow, that was so theologically... Through it all of that, what we want to do is we want to build a church where we are the church, where every believer, every man, woman, and child learns their authority in Christ Jesus. They understand that greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. They understand that they can be filled with a power that is supernatural, that you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. They begin to move in the gifts of the Spirit, that they, that they become a powerhouse weapon in the hand of God. The devil's been defeated, but he goes uncontested. And we're going to change all that. Number, number five. I can't remember what I called number five, is it? <laughs> he was without sin, cast the first stone. I can't remember what that one is. Is it cancel culture or something like that? What is it? False gospels. Thank you. Number five is false gospels. Number five is false gospels. So in the story, John, in John 8, 7... Jesus says, when they throw the woman caught in adultery down at Jesus' feet, and they say, Moses gave us a law that this woman should be stoned. What do you say, teacher? And you know the story, Jesus running the ground. And then he says, you know, whoever is without sin, go ahead, cast the first stone. What was sad is that the Pharisees had taken the same Torah, the same Tanuch that Jesus ministered from, and they were killing people with it. Jesus came to save people, but deal a death blow to sin. But because the woman was in sin, the religious people were happy to kill the sinner along with the sin. Not realizing, you jackwagon, you also are a sinner 
in sin. And if you want to bring death there, well, then why shouldn't that same judgment be measured back to you? For with the measure you judge, it'll be measured back. Unless you don't sin, which isn't true now, is it? But they thought, no, no, we can pretend that we are so holy. Watch our religious zeal. Watch the way that we stone and kill. The, the, the false gospels that we see today with our cancel culture, with our, with our you know, white fragility, you have white fragility, white supremacy, like all, all, this, all this nonsense that's out there wants to pick up stones and throw at a people group. We want to throw, you know, it's stop Asian hate. It's stop Asian hate. But then when two, a 13-year-old and a 15-year-old black girls want to steal an Asian man from Pakistan's car from Uber Eats, and then they drag him down the street with the door hitting it, and then he dies. And then all they care about is the fact that they've left their phone in the car. They don't care that they've just killed a man. It's amazing how the media says nothing about stop Asian hate because it doesn't fit a narrative. But they, they want to create like, oh, white supremacy. When that shooter last week, you know, and then his name, Hassan Masala al-Mahana, comes out, they're like, oh, you've got to retract all of that. CNN called the, the, the murder of... of the, the Asian guy from Pakistan by the two girls, an accident. We, 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 live, we live in a, in a world where Jesus comes in. You need to understand this is the difference of the gospel. See, in America, they used to teach that America is exceptional. And if you look through human history, there has never been a nation like her. There's never been a nation to deliver so many people out of poverty. There's never been an, a nation that has not just had freedom at home, but, but uh, exported that freedom all over the world. People know when they see an American flag in their nation, in their land, that is a place of safety. That is a place of justice. That is a place where there's truth. That is a place of mercy. That is a place that you can run to and find refuge. There won't be oppression. There won't be wickedness there. The, all over the world, they've seen that. And we used to teach people that America is exceptional, but you are not. That you are a sinner, that you are flawed and need saving. But this last generation was taught, no, no, you're perfect just the way you are. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, atoned for iniquity. We can't step back from the gospel. And the gospel is whoever's without sin cast the first stone. Before you go judging them out there, why don't you first have a look in here? Because we will burn our cities down. We will destroy lives and chaos. And you need to understand Satan working through political figures loves. He revels in the division. He revels in the chaos. We've got to preach the gospel that no, 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 Jesus did it all. If you will bow your knee to Christ, Jesus died for the oppressor and the oppressed. He died for the abuser and the abused. He died for everybody. He died for everybody. Jesus's blood was more than enough. Somebody say amen. I know I'm over time. Can I really quickly, the last two? Okay, number six is in the world, but not of it. In the world, but not of it. In, in, in Hero the Rock musical, we're using rock and roll music. Rock and roll music has in its essence rebellion. It's the whole, the, everything's about rebellion. And one of, the, one of the most difficult tasks that our team have had to undertake 
is they, we're not, we don't have Christian songs in there. So they're using songs that the spirit behind these songs is rebellion against God, dishonor, defiance. And somehow we're taking those songs to reach a lost generation. And we can't lose the story. We can't dishonor Christ, dishonor God, dishonor the church, dishonor the disciples. Therefore, they've got to be in the world. They've got to be in those songs. They've got to be in character. They've got to be in, but not of it. Jesus, have a look at this in, in John 17. This is like unbelievably powerful. What Jesus says, and it's, it's worth reading, John 17, 14, 14 to, to 19. Uh, here it is. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And as you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. What an incredibly potent pat. So let me just tell you, the best of the world belongs to you. The best vineyards, the best restaurants, the best beaches, the best hotels, the, the best cafes, the best coffee shops, the best hiking trails, the best of the world belongs to you. But you know what? We don't worship the world. We're not of the world. We're of heaven. And this is God's world. And in this world, we won't get caught up in the spirit of this world, but rather we are full of the spirit of the living God. And we live to worship God, not the creation. We worship the creator of heaven and earth. We worship the creator of all things. So the cast, the cast, pray for the cast because they've got that, that awesome task, that juxtaposition where they've got to be in the world, but continually making sure they're in the spirit, that they're glorifying God and the gospel is coming through. And the last one, number seven, is what I call the reality of two. The reality of two. Matthew 25, verse 46. Matthew 25, verse 46. These will go away to everlasting punishment, but the righteous into everlasting life. These will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous to everlasting life. He's talking about the wicked. So I, I need you to understand there's, there's a theme all the way through the Bible of the reality of two. There's, there's a devil in Eden and there's also God. The devil introduced another narrative. There's the wheat and then there's the tares. There's the righteous and then there's the wicked. There's heaven and there's hell. There's righteousness and there's wickedness. And, and we live in a world where there are people who are lost and there are people who are saved. There are people who are sons of darkness and there are people who are sons of light. There are people who are sheep and there are people who are goats. The Bible makes it very, very clear that there's only two camps. And if you're not in one, you're in the other. If you're not in one, you're in the other. We have stopped preaching about hell. We have stopped believing in hell. We have stopped believing in the, the, the fact that there are people who are wicked. We've stopped believing that there are evil people that evil resides in people 
and it needs to be called out that there is evil trying to get into our education system, trying to permeate what our, our children are being taught, that there are evil things because we're told that you might offend people. And that, hey, it, just so that you don't offend people, don't preach the gospel, don't acknowledge the truth or the reality of the two. The reason we do what we do, the reason Leanne and I left Sydney to come to San Diego is because we believe there is a hell. When I look at what Jesus Christ went through, he believes there's a hell. There's no way. If there was no freaking hell, if there was no consequences, if nobody was lost, if everybody got saved, Jesus would not have gone through what he went. When you watch, when you look, when you observe what Jesus Christ went through, you better believe, fudge, there really is a freaking hell for him to go through that. My God. God, what are we doing? There is a lost eternity. There, there, there is evil in the world that Jesus came to defeat and overcome. The reality of two. All of those you're going to find in Hero the Rock musical. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. Just turn your palms towards heaven. Father, we thank you today. Father, I thank you for all of our locations here in San Diego and also over in Salt Lake City. That this, this Easter Sunday, that people would hear and people would see and people would experience the power of our gospel. That there is nothing like it. That our gospel pulls people out of hell into heaven. Our gospel pulls people out of being lost, covered in shame, addicted, bound, defeated, into a place of elevation, into a place of freedom, exaltation, seated at the right hand of Christ, where sins are forgiven, transgressions, handwriting that was against us is washed away. Father, I pray for every man and woman listening right now that, that we would not apologize for the gospel. The Apostle Paul in Romans 1.16 said, I'm not ashamed, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.